everyone, to the Streaming Water Podcast. Today we have a uh, a good guest from the laboratory world, Melissa Mimna, uh, Laboratory Program Supervisor for the City of Boulder is with us today. Thanks for being here, Melissa. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Blair. You bet. It's day before Thanksgiving. I'm glad you could uh, show up. Uh, I'm glad you're not thawing out the turkey or something and you could be here with us today. Um, we want to talk about lab today with you and get a little bit. I know you have a background in wet testing, which is a mystery to, uh, you know, people who aren't in the industry, but also to some, a lot of people who are in the industry still don't know what uh, wet testing is. I want to get into that a little bit, but first, why don't you uh, start by just introducing yourself, where you've been, what you've done, what you're doing now and, and what you're going to do in the future. Sounds good, Blair. So, um, I guess starting at the beginning, I, I actually grew up in rural Pennsylvania. And uh, when I graduated high school, my parents said, you should go to college, but you're going to pay for it yourself. And I was like, I don't know if that sounds like a great idea. I think going on dead tour sounds like more fun. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun out after high school and uh, I met my ex-husband at the time. Um, and at, then I got the best blue collar job you could get in the town. And it was working at an ice cream cone factory. And nice. Yeah. I packaged 134 cones per minute in a 95 degree bakery, working 12 hour shifts, six days a week. Sounds so like I, paradise. Yeah, I, I learned a lot from that experience. And so after a few years of doing that, I said, you know, I don't think this is really what I want to do with my life. And so I went to get my undergrad. Um, in undergrad, I discovered geography and I was really into the, the spatial aspect. You know, at the time I knew I wanted to do the hippie in me wanted to do something for the environment, but I thought geography was super cool. How you could like apply a spatial aspect to almost everything. Um, and I ended up getting pregnant my senior year of undergrad and my mentor at the time, I went to him and I said, I'm going to take a year off between grad school. And I think him knowing me, he said he looked at me and he said, yeah, you're done. You're going to be a mom now. You're never going to go to grad school. And so those words rang in my head and I, I had my daughter and I went to grad school. Um, I went to a small school in Pennsylvania as well um, with a one year old. So it was quite the adventure and an assistant graduate assistantship and very busy. Um, and that degree, I got a degree in geo environmental studies. So it was a very broad earth science degree. And I kind of got to learn a lot about a, a little bit about a lot of different things. Um, land use planning, GIS, hydrology, climatology. And that was really where I discovered water quality and how interesting it was. Um, I did a lot of field work there, um, studied stormwater, lots of field work, got my my hip waders wet in grad school, of course. Um, got out of grad school, did really well. It was super fun. Loved my thesis. Great experience. Really good experience. Um, started applying to jobs all over the country. And I got offered a great job in Washington, D.C. And my family, we were like, I don't really want to live in D.C. or commute to D.C. And so that at that point, I was like, well, why am I applying to jobs in places I don't want to live? And so I had visited Colorado in the past. I'd been to Red Rocks for concerts. I love to hike. I love the outdoors. And so we're like, let's move to Colorado. So in the three months it took me to move to Colorado, that was in 2008 and the economy crashed. And so I moved to Colorado and I couldn't find a job for anything. So when I first moved here, I worked at Best Buy as Geek Squad admin for almost a year. And that was also another humbling experience because there I was, you know, fresh out of grad school, 3.97, taking on the world and yeah, working at Best Buy. Were you the one that... Uh 
tells people to unplug and replug in their computer. Was that you? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I told people to restart a lot. And yeah. Gave people bad news about their computer. So, <laughs> um, and after that, I finally got an entry level job at the wet lab, so local wet lab, and that was really cool to learn about that. That was my first experience with learning about you know effluent and wastewater. And so that job, um, I worked at the wet lab, started as a tech and worked my way up and was managing that lab. Super fun experience, very challenging in the contract lab world. And so one of our clients was uh, the city of Boulder. And so when I saw the opening come up, I, I knew that I really wanted to work for the city. So I applied and I was lucky enough to get an analyst position in the city um, 11 years ago. And then I was promoted uh, six years ago to laboratory program supervisor. So it's been a really great experience. I've been doing, you know, wastewater for about 15 years now, I would say. <clears throat> Water quality for maybe 20. But I just love my job and I love what I do. And I'm so grateful to have landed where I did. I think it was meant to be. Yeah, sounds like it was. Are you uh, strictly a wastewater lab in Boulder or do you do drinking water and wastewater? Or how does that all shake out in Boulder? I know different cities do it different ways. So, yeah, we're mainly a wastewater lab. We do have a drinking water lab. But we do try to collaborate uh, as much as possible. So, for example, um, we have an ICPMS and we're great at uh, nitrogen in our lab. And so we run a lot of those samples for them. Um, they run a lot of things on the IC for us. So chlorides. And <clears throat> in the future, we're looking at more doing more cross training so that we don't have any single points of failure. So if someone needs to call off in one lab, someone can cover for another. Oh. So we, main we mainly focus on wastewater, but we also do work for stormwater and industrial pretreatment and process ops. So lots of different stuff. Yeah, that's good. You don't, uh, I've found it's usually places have a water lab, wastewater lab, and they're totally separate. Like you would never, you would never bumble up to the door of the water lab with your wastewater samples. They would kick you <laughs> out, you know? <laughs> so it's good. You're getting a little collaboration cross training going. Yeah, we try. We try. Well, cool. You mentioned some of your uh, hobbies, a grateful dead concerts. Uh, are you still, are those still your hobbies or you got new hobbies now that you, uh, now that you're settled? You know, <clears throat> I do love live music, but I'm finding as I'm getting older, I don't like staying out as <laughs> late. So yeah, my hobbies have changed over the years. Um, I really love gardening. I love growing things in my garden. I have a big garden. I love plants of all sorts. Um, I also love traveling a lot. I love, I love planning vacations for the family and going to new places and having new experiences. I like hiking. That's one of the reasons I moved here. So I love to get out and hike when I can find the time. And then I also am raising two kiddos. I got two dogs. I got two cats. And so they all keep me pretty busy as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, now it's time for the uh, interesting question, Melissa. And uh, I think I might have had this before. Maybe not. But the interesting question is what unique food or tradition, since we're the day before Thanksgiving here, what's a, a unique food or tradition that comes up at your Thanksgiving uh dinner that that's kind of unique to your family so i can't really think of anything too crazy the only thing i can say is that i usually get made fun of because for whatever reason you know even if it's just the four of us a tiny little family i always insist on getting the largest turkey we can find <clears throat> so my mom always makes fun of me for buying you know cooking a 24 pound turkey for, for four people but i love to have the leftovers in the freezer so i can have thanksgiving all year yeah what uh how many pounds you got this year i think this year we're right at 21 pounds so not uh, too excessive 
Yeah, my wife ordered ours online, or not online, but you know, you can order King Supers and then go pick it up. And I was just appalled because I was like, you're going to let some high school kid pick out the turkey. They're not qualified to do this. And she was like, well, what are they going to do? You know, I'm like, it's going to have one leg sticking out of the bag. They don't care. They're just going to grab the first turkey. Sure enough, we got it. We asked for a 12 pounder and they gave us like a 19 pounder because they were out supposedly or whatever. And I'm like, see, you can't leave this stuff up to the King Supers check, you know, picker person. It just doesn't, especially not a turkey. I was, I was appalled. But, <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into some of these uh, lab-related questions, which is your specialty as laboratory program supervisor at Boulder there. Uh, you've talked a little bit about this, but what's the main purpose of your lab? And uh, why is your lab important to the operation of the city and, and the community at large? Sure. Um, <clears throat> as I said, we're mainly a wastewater lab. So one of our main goals is compliance with our discharge permit, you know, DMR compliance every month. Um, so that's one of our main goals. We also do a ton of process optimization samples for our facility. So everything we can do, getting information to help the plant run better and get better in the future. Um, we've got a lot of upcoming regulations we're looking at, so tons of work to do there. We do support other groups, drinking water, stormwater, industrial pretreatment. Uh, in my lab, as I said, we have an ICPMS, so we can run metals in-house, which is a big advantage for us as well. And I think, you know, our one of the main goals for our lab is, you know, as I said, the discharge permit, which the goal is to keep the creek clean. And so we're, we play that role in, you know, protecting public health in the environment. Cool. You mentioned uh, upcoming regs that are, are coming down the pipe. What are some of those? And in particular, some that are affecting change or, or necess <clears throat> necessitating changes in your, your laboratory operations? Well, like lots of wastewater labs, we're looking at phosphorus and nitrogen reductions. So we have some phosphorus upgrades coming up as well. Um, our permit is actually a fairly old permit. We've been administratively extended since 2016. So our permit was written in 2011. So we're looking at a new permit likely in 2026, 2027, 2028, so in the next few years. And so you know, we haven't got to stair step in our permits. And so we're going to go from a really old permit to a current permit. And that's going to be a big change in our lab as well. So um, our, our getting, gearing up for our new permit and get gathering data in advance of that new permit to make sure that we're going to be able to meet all the limits is something we're preparing for as well. Good. Nice. Um, what do you like best about your job in the lab? What's the best part of going to work in the morning? I love this question because I could talk about this forever. I feel like I really do love my job. Um, one of the main reasons is that I don't have a typical day. There is no, no, I never know what my day is going to be like. So I never get bored. My ADHD brain loves that about my job. Um, I also love that I'm not micromanaged at my facility. I'm trusted as a professional and I'm also given the space to fail. So I'm allowed to take chances and I'm trusted with that. Um, I work with great staff, very competent staff who also love their jobs. Our lead chemist yesterday was his 29th anniversary in our lab. So wow. yeah, we've got a great team. Um, I really like working in wastewater because I think wastewater is a very complicated process. And so it's very interesting to me. And I also think it's a, it's a field that's still advancing. You know, we have upcoming regulations, so it's not just static. We've got 
we're going to have um, new new processes and advancements that are going to be really cool to learn about. Um, it's an important job. I feel like being a public servant makes me feel good when I go home at the end of the day. Um, I also like that I'm compensated well. We've got great benefits. It's a stable job. It's, you know, recession proof. We're always going to have, we're going to have, the job security is through the roof in this field. And I also just really love our front range, you know, wastewater, water quality, utility community that we have here. We have got, got a great group. And so I never feel like I'm doing anything alone in my lab. I've always got a network I can reach out to of really great friends and colleagues. Good. Yeah. It sounds like a great place to work. If you uh, have any openings, hopefully people will hear this podcast and uh, and put their app in. It sounds like a good spot. What's some of, what's your, what's the best benefit uh, the city of Boulder offers? Uh, that's a good question. So I think a pension is pretty cool. We still have a pension. Oh. Um, we also still have some people are still a union. But I think the best benefit is really just like the flexibility. I get the flexibility to work from home when it makes sense. And I get the support for additional trainings that's encouraged. And, um, wor- you know, work home life balance is encouraged. So, you know, we get wellness classes. So if I want to take a yoga class at lunchtime, I can do that in front of my computer. So it's just an all around really great place to work for sure. Nice. Well, uh, back to the lab, you mentioned you do uh, metals testing, but maybe take us through what kind of testing do you do? Uh, some of the tests that you run in the lab and and then, uh, well, we'll start there. What, what type of testing do you do in the wastewater lab? So we do a bunch of different stuff. We do lots of solids, you know, TSS, total solids, volatile solids, all the nutrients, of course. We've got a great timberline analyzer that we love a lot. We do the typical BOD because we're a wastewater lab and bacteria and metals. Um, So we're expecting to add analyses with our new permit. Right now, the only thing we don't do for our permit in the lab, the only things we send out are low-level mercury, cyanide, and wet testing. So I really like being able to do stuff in-house. I think we do a great job. And so anytime we can do stuff in our lab, we really try to. Yeah, I... uh... I agree with that. If you can do it and it makes sense cost-wise, it's always better to uh, to not have that variable of sending it out and wondering what's happening to it. Yeah. Well, good. What's the uh, hardest test? What's the hardest test in your mind or or your least favorite test or the one that's the hardest to do? Well, I would say metals are kind of difficult in that there's sometimes a lot of troubleshooting and you need to be organized and you kind of need to run them often to, to, to keep in practice of what you're doing. But I got to say BOD that five days and you don't know if your QC passed until it's too late, that'll always bite you in the butt. So BOD can be quite annoying. All right. All right. I think uh, a lot of lab folks, at least wastewater lab folks would agree with you there. I would tend to agree myself. Um, yeah, well, now I want to move into the mid-show segment, which has nothing to do with lab, but it does have to do with Thanksgiving. So the mid-show segment was in a men's journal article, or it's taken from a men's journal article, and uh, the headline is called, oh, the article is by Declan Gallagher, uh, November 20th, 2023. Brown Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, dubbed the busiest day of the year for plumbers, is the headline. So the article says, America's favorite shopping holiday, Black Friday, 
is about to be uh, subsumed, which I didn't know that was a word, subsumed, by a new plumbing holiday, Brown Friday, as it's called, uh, is the busiest day of the year for our country's plumbers, according to Roto-Rooter, who released a public service statement last week. Uh, the cause of Brown Friday should be fairly clear if the name doesn't entirely spell it out. Roto-Rooter reported that calls from those urgently seeking plumbers typically increased by 48 to 50 percent the day after Thanksgiving compared to an average Friday, uh, which is crazy. I wouldn't think that, but it's straight from Roto-Rooter, so they should know. Uh, it says the uptick in business on Brown Friday and the holiday weekend has been remarkably consistent year after year for a 20-year period, uh, says Paul Abrams, Roto-Rooter spokesperson. How would you like to be a spokesperson for Roto-Rooter? That'd be, that'd be a job. Uh, primary locations of clogs are kitchen sinks, shower drains, and toilets. Uh, most of the time, stoppages don't materialize until the day after Thanksgiving, uh, is what it says. Um, Abrams told Men's Journal, there's one particularly common and utterly silly source of clogged drains, potato peels in the kitchen sink. Uh, he said people continue to peel potatoes over the sink, then push the peels down into the garbage disposal. The disposal pulverizes them into a sticky, starchy goo that chokes off the drain pipe. So uh, do you put your do you peel your potatoes over the garbage disposal, Melissa? Of course not, Blair. I would uh, never do such. a OK, thing. good, good. <laughs> um, let me see. He's offered some tips to help you uh, cope with Brown Friday. And uh, it says, keep a plunger in the bathroom to save your guests from the walk of shame uh, to ask for one if they've clogged the toilet. That's one of his tips. Uh, they also said, uh, remind cooks to never dump fat oils or grease down the drain for any reason. Dispose of those in the uh, trash, which I know is a big pretreatment issue for wastewater plants. And it's probably really big during uh, Thanksgiving with all the oil fried turkeys and and oil that goes down but yeah it's brown friday no longer black friday <laughs> that's funny i actually <laughs> one year we on uh saint patrick's day our influent turned green and so oh really there's a lot we can learn from wastewater yeah <laughs> i've heard uh i was listening to this other podcast this is kind of off topic but the other day they said the day after thanksgiving operators swore that they could smell turkey like the plant smelled like turkey have you experienced that at your place i have not but i might be up there this weekend so i might have to give it a whiff <laughs> yeah don't give it a whiff i might do the same because i don't know if i can validate that or not i'm usually not there on thanksgiving but i'm gonna i'm gonna poll our, our operators and see what they say <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the second uh, segment here, which I want to get more into a specific test, which is wet testing. And uh, maybe you can tell people what that stands for, what it means, and uh, just explain it to how you would explain it, which is probably hard since you're an expert in it. But uh, how would you explain it to someone on the street who knows nothing about wastewater? Sure. Well, what, when I first started working in the wet lab. I had no idea what wet testing was at that point either. I never heard of it before. So it stands for whole effluent toxicity testing. And basically it is an attempt at the real life is our effluent toxic. So in our permit, we have all these analytical limits where our copper can't be higher than 20 and arsenic can't be higher than 0.02 or whatever. <clears throat> wet testing is, and all of those limits are meant to protect the creek, right? 
wet testing is kind of the real life test of, well, is the creek really protected? Is it, are those limits doing their job? So with wet testing, what they do is they take our effluent and they make different dilutions of our effluent. <clears throat> and then they put either tiny water fleas, Daphnia, and um, fathead minnows. They are freshly born, so they're really tiny, tiny newborn fish. And they put them in this water. And typically for uh, facilities like us, it's ba basically a seven-day test where they will re refresh the water every other day with different um samples of our effluent. And then they're going to analyze whether our effluent affects the, the survivability of the species. Does it make them die? And also more recently, they're going to analyze whether it affects their growth. Do the fish grow less because of our effluent and the Daphnia's reproduction? So does our, our effluent make them reproduce less? And all of this is just really meant to simulate um, what happens in the creek and how our effluent is affecting the creek. It's kind of interesting in some states, I believe New Mexico, they actually use the receiving stream water as the dilution water in wet labs to really mimic what's happening. Um, that can be problematic because sometimes receiving streams have their own issues. So it's not necessarily the best idea. But yeah, wet testing is basically the real life testing of is our effluent. What's, what's it doing in the stream? Hmm. That is, uh, yeah, that's a great explanation. How do they, so if you're testing real live, you know, animals, fish, or, or uh, you know, real life things, how do you know that the, the they're not just going to die anyway of natural causes or of, uh, how do you, is it all attributed to the water or is there, you know, I don't know, concessions made for natural things that happen or, or I, I guess I don't even know how to ask my question here, but you get where I'm coming from. How do you know it's all the water doing it? I, I do know what you're saying. So one way they they try to verify that is through a control. So they have where they run a control that is basically laboratory water and it should be great. Um, so they they will compare the results with the control. They also I believe once a month we'll run reference toxicity testing where they take a known toxicant, usually a, a salt like sodium chloride, and they they every month will monitor the toxicity of the species. And it needs to be with a within a certain threshold for those for those tests to be valid. But your question raises a valid point in that this is biology and this is mixing the analytical world with the biology world. And I think that, you know some weeks and some months, those species just aren't doing so great and it can be problematic. So I think it's tricky and I, I'm kind of glad I'm not in the in the wet world anymore because biology is tough. You can't control everything. I, I like the analytical world where my standard comes out between 90 and 110% and I know my results are great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, from what I've seen in the industry is people don't understand wet testing because not many, I don't know of many labs that do it in-house i think it's one of those that you said you send it out we send it out where i work and it's just uh something that's generally sent out why why is that why do places not not do it in-house it's very complicated it's because of biology it's hard to keep the species happy and uh it takes a lot of expertise and in, in, in knowing what you're doing and running the statistics even so it's a really hard test to complete. And so I think that's, but you're right. There aren't a ton of wet labs there. It's, it's kind of a mystery test out there for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, that's that's what I that's my take on it too. You get the report back and you see whether you pass or fail, and the rest is like a black box of complication that uh, that someone else deals with. Yeah. I'm very grateful to have my my wet background because I feel like I have a little bit more insight. So it's very helpful for my utility now that when I look at the statistics, I do have a bit of an understanding of what they mean. But yeah, it's still biology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I first started in this business, I worked in a lab. It was uh, just a chemistry lab, you know, water, wastewater, soils. But down the hall, they did wet testing but I didn't know what wet testing was at that point because I hadn't worked in wastewater, you know, at a plant yet. So anyway, I would always see them bringing these little, you know, uh, water fleas and counting, counting things and weighing them. And I was always intrigued, like, what are they doing? Because it's so different than what I was doing in the chemistry lab as far as, you know, burettes and titrations and pH and all that. So, yeah, and then it, it all clicked when I figured out what was going on, but yeah, it's a, it's a whole different world, I think. Yeah, it is. I think another challenge for them is that it requires a lot of expertise, but it also can be a very tedious job and there's a lot of counting, counting bugs every day. And so it's hard to retain great staff when you've got this tedious part. So yeah. the wet world is very challenging. Yeah. That sounds like it would drive you crazy after a while. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't make it to that point. I'm glad you got out before then. <laughs> <That's Blair. laughs> all right well do you uh have anything else you want to add for our listeners any uh leave behind message or uh anything you wanted to say before we get into the the end of show quiz no not really i mean i kind of always just promote our field i think i think that we've got great jobs and it's as i said they're well-paying they're stable they're fun flexible. And so if anyone's out there listening that doesn't know about wastewater or or becoming an operator or all the cool stuff we do, I just encourage people to like give it a shot because, you know, it's it's a great job. And I think, I think not enough people realize the career path that that option that is out there. Yeah. Do you have a, do you get any interest or have tours from schools or, or, you know, colleges or or anything at your plant or in the lab at all? a little bit because we have CU right there in Boulder. So we do get a little bit of interest, but I think there could be a lot more. I think there's so many, you know, kids, young kids graduating high school or college that don't even don't even know this is a field out there, let yeah. alone think about what happens to, to to the water that goes down their toilet. Yeah, they all want to be video game designers. They don't want to <laughs> they don't think about wastewater. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for your uh, insights and, and filling us in a little bit, taking us into the lab world today, Melissa. Are you ready for the end of show quiz now? Dun, dun, dun. I'm <laughs> as ready as I will ever be. Blair. All right. That's the attitude I like. This, uh, I've designed a Thanksgiving quiz since it is the day before Thanksgiving. Hopefully I'll get this out soon so it's not too far after Thanksgiving that it doesn't, it's not relevant. But uh, first question, uh, who was the first video game character featured in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? And I'll give you some options here. But the first, uh, you know, the big balloons they have in the Macy's Parade. First video game character was A, Pac-Man, B, Mario, C, Sonic the Hedgehog, or D, Qbert. Oh, these are so tough. <laughs> yeah, this is a hard I'm, one this time. I'm going to go with A, Pac-Man. Pac-Man? I'm sorry. It was Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic was the first, uh, first, which 
Pac-Man is a good guess, but <laughs> all right, you're 0 for, 0 for 1 here. But we have three questions, so you can still get two out of three. Which of these is not a real town in the U.S.? Which of these is not a real town in the United States? Is it A, Turkey, Texas, B, Cranberry Isles, Maine, C, Sweet Potato, Mississippi, or D, Burnt Corn, Alabama? Which <laughs> is not a town in the U.S.? What was C again? C was Sweet Potato, Mississippi. Let's go with that one. You want Sweet Potato? Yeah, I think so. You got it. You got uh, <laughs> that is it. The other ones are real towns. Turkey, Texas, Cranberry Isles, Maine, Burnt Corn, Alabama. But Sweet Potato, Texas is not real. Good job. All right. You can uh, get the win with this third question here. Uh, which is older the turkey trot or the boston marathon which one is older you know the turkey trot where you you run uh, like a 5k or so before thanksgiving yeah and i know that the, longer or the boston marathon i know you're trying to trick me right now i'm gonna <laughs> go i'm gonna go with the boston marathon even you're though i go probably shouldn't oh I you should have used your instincts it is the turkey trot the first turkey trial was held in 1896. The Boston Marathon was 1897. There's not much wiggle room there, <laughs> but uh, in fact, the turkey trot is older. But you got you got the good one. You got uh, Sweet Potato, Mississippi. Uh, you got one out of three, which is respectable for the uh, free Thanksgiving quiz. So thanks for being on, Melissa. It's been uh, it's been fun, and I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Blair. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. You bet. And to our listeners, if you have any uh, suggestions for shows you'd like to see, topics or guests you'd like interviewed, you can uh, shoot me an email at uh, streamingwater at mail.com. To our sponsors, Rocky Mountain Water Environment Association and Colorado Wastewater Utility Council, we thank you for your sponsorship. And to our listeners, if you like the show, please give us a, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show. And uh, we will see you next time on the Streaming Water Podcast.